Hi, and welcome to Personal Finance with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you will ever need. You found us here on episode 13. Dun, dun, dun. Just wait until you find out the topic. Uh, thank you for seeking us out. And after you finish this episode, you don't have to wait a week for the next one. You can simply delve into our previous shows and have a right good binge. Do them in any order. They all work as standalone features, but make sure you have a listen to them all when it suits you, however it suits you. And then if you'd be kind enough to rate and review us, we would be very grateful. Oh, and hit subscribe too. And that way you'll get new episodes as soon as they're out and your fear of missing out will be a thing of the past. Everything from mortgages to retirement to redundancy in there, I guarantee there is something for you. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcast. Now, today for episode 13, dun, 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 uh, we're looking at funeral plans, which actually I think probably isn't that eerie or taboo a financial subject to tackle at all, is it? Hi, Phil. Hi, John. Who's things? Uh, not bad at all. I suppose when you think about this for a minute, purely in terms of finance, uh, you, you ask what somebody wants in the event of their death. And number one in that list would be to be able to look after everybody that I leave behind. Number two, if you're not able to do that, you want at least to make sure the cost of your funeral isn't a financial burden for those that you do leave behind, because the cost can be pretty crippling if you don't have anything put away, can't they? That's it. I mean, they, I, I had a look. One of the advantages of someone taking out a, a funeral plan is... The, the fact that they're sort of safeguarding or they're, they're kind of fixing their funeral costs as to what they are now. And I, I had a look at some statistics. Back in 2004, the, the average cost of a funeral um, was £1,920. In 2018, that had risen to £4,271. Oh. They're projecting that by 2028, it will be up to somewhere in the region of about seven and a half grand. By 2038, they're saying probably about 13,500 at that point. So these are all kind of figures and projections. Certainly, I I suppose the cost of most things tend to to go up, but they they, they certainly think that the cost of funerals will will rise in the future as well. So what a funeral plan kind of is, is basically it's a way to to organise your funeral arrangements in advance and specify your wishes, but probably most importantly, take care of the the costs as well. So it's a chance to try and avoid rising costs of funerals and gives people peace of mind, not only for themselves, but for their, their loved ones as well. Yeah, 2038, 13, I really need to die pretty soon, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, uh, as you say, for peace of mind, there is something you could do which isn't morbid, but common sense. So let's start with the obvious. I think we know the concept, but um, break down what a prepaid funeral plan actually entails. The prepaid funeral plans are, are basically where you're making arrangements now for your funeral. Um, there's a lot of different types of, of plans out there that cover different things, and we'll go into that in a, a few moments. But um, generally, with the funeral plans, they, they're targeted at people that's age 50 plus. They, it gives you the option to say, right, this is the type of funeral that, that I want. Um, and then there's the options for paying for it, which we'll kind of come on to just fairly soon as well. Okay, so 50 plus, uh, I'm only a couple of years away, but um, these things are always brilliantly marketed because every time you take out a policy with them, they give away a free pen. And what's the one thing you can ever put your hand on when you're 50 plus? A pen, exactly. In fairness, I've been like that since I was 15 plus, never mind 50. Who offers these plans then, Phil? Who, who are the big names in the market? The the main providers that's out there, the, the biggest three are Golden Charter, 
the co-op and Dignity. They, they're the, the main ones that's out there. There are a, a host of, of other ones, some smaller companies, but they, they're certainly the ones that have got the, the biggest kind of share of the marketplace. What One place where I go to, to to do a wee bit of research on these, there's a website called defacto.com, um, and it's quite good because they, they actually give ratings. Um, and not only can you get the ratings, but it also shows you all the, the companies out there. There's a few on that list that, that I've never heard of before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is quite good just for finding out if someone wanted to know, right, who does these sort of plans. And de facto is an independent research company. So they, they also give these plans of ratings as well, which is, is quite good to look at. Yeah, I mean, the cooperative is obviously an aim that I'm familiar with. Uh, Golden Charter and Dignity, I'd have to say, I I, I don't know. Uh, how do these plans differ? I mean, what are the, the, the selling points or feelings why would I go with one company and, and not another? Uh, one, one of the things, well, I've, I've heard of these companies and probably the main reason for me, not so much to work, but I do outdoor bowling during the summer. Now, I guess the average age of your bowler tends to be quite <laughs> on the higher side. Um, so you tend to find that they, these are the sort of companies that sponsor the, the bowling. Right. So um, I, I've, came, I've heard of, of all three. But um, yeah, the, the plans differ. Uh, or, I mean, they, there can be a lot of different sort of differences between the, the, the plans. But I, I would say that the things to look out for is stuff like the, the location. I mean, the, the different undertakers have, have got, um, some will sign up to the cooperative, some will be through Golden Charter, some are through Dignity. Right. With, with all of that ones, I mean, co-op, I think, are the, the largest. They've got over a 1,000 funeral directors in the, the UK. Golden Charter is over 700 and Dignity is over 800. But the, the location of them is something that's quite important. So you want, I mean, you, you'll tend to find in the bigger cities like Glasgow, Edinburgh, Aberdeen, they, they'll tend to have an undertaker for, for all of those firms. But I mean, I, I'm based out in a, a smaller place called Ellen. Now, in Ellen, the, the nearest Golden Charter undertaker toss is in Tarvis, which granted isn't that far away. But if, if you were local and thought, no, I want to be, I want my funeral to be in the town that I'm from, then it's best checking out like your local undertaker and which one of these companies they, they go through. So that, that's a big thing to, to consider when you are looking at the, the various providers. And then it's also looking at what they cover in their plans. So, for example, some of the plans, they, you, you've got what's called third-party costs, and that's things like cremation costs, ministers' fees, now, what some of the funeral providers, they, what some of the plan providers do is they'll give you a contribution towards these costs. Dignity, for example, they actually guarantee to, to cover these costs. So it's looking at all the different things that's included in the plans and trying to find out, right, which one's going to be, be the most suitable for myself. I mean, the obvious, the obvious thing to me, uh, thinking about websites, and I, again, this is not something that I've researched, but if you were shopping online and you want to go on to one of these companies, the obvious thing to me would be to say, right, cars, tick, you know, um, I don't know, uh, hotel to, to host like a buffet of sandwiches and whatever afterwards, tick, and, you know, sort of shop for the bits that you want. But I don't suppose any of them are actually doing something like that, really. No, that's it. I mean, on, on the different provider sites, they, they do have, I mean, some of them have got bits where, like, like Dignity's site, where when I had a look at that, when I was doing a bit of research, they... They've got four different types of plans available. But they, they've also got 
they, they allow you to pick their competitors, which is co-op and golden charter. Um, and you can actually say, right, what plan am I interested in? So they, I think their top plan is the diamond plan. So if someone goes on, it then compares it against golden charters, premier plan and the co-op's gold plan. So the, the companies, the, the only thing I would say is if you go on their own specific website, they're going to be trying to make it out that theirs is the, the best one. So it, you'll get all these comparison bits that shows the, the text. But it is, it's like you, you go, like you say, you go on a comparison website to maybe compare home insurance or buy a car. But it is, I mean, here, here's things here. It's like, will the plan provider coordinate any flowers or tributes? They've got a tech in that box. So they, yeah. I guess it's trying to look and say, right, what's the most important things to myself? And does that plan cover that sort of thing? It's a difficult one for them as well, I suppose, because it's not like they can, I mean, they, they don't really advertise. You don't see, you know, switch on the telly and all of a sudden up comes an undertaker saying, hey, we're your first stop goodbye shop. Uh, you know, it just it doesn't happen. Um, the pros and cons of, of prepaid funeral plans then? I, I would say, like, the, the main pro is that there's less to sort out later on. So the, the benefit there is that that kind of, at a time that's going to be quite hard for your family, that, that's kind of one advantage is that there's less for them to sort out. The, the other main one we touched on earlier is that you're fixing your funeral costs at today's mm-hmm. prices. And where I would say that's important is that like when, when someone dies, if, if they've no funeral plan in place, the undertakers and, and funeral directors, they've got like a, almost like a captive audience, do they? Because yeah. they know that someone's got to buy the funeral at that point. So what, what you're doing is, the, the funeral plans allow you to, to kind of shop about, compare. It, it allows you to get the funeral that you want. That, that's one of the, the kind of major benefits as well. I mean, I suppose it's good to start thinking about, right, do I want to be buried? Do I want to be cremated? Do I want a big funeral, small funeral? Like all, all the different kind of things. Um, do I want people to be able to visit my body in a, a chapel yeah. or rest? What kind of coffin do I want? I mean, some people will think, right, my coffin's going to go up and, smoke if I get cremated so they might just want a cheap one mm. somebody being buried might think oh no I want a really like a, a luxury coffin I mean it it's a, yeah. a strange thing for us to, to sit and be discussing but that, that's all the sort of things that I guess yeah. it's good to be organized and think yeah. right what, what do I want how much to hire Queen and Adam Lambert to perform three songs it might be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um the I, cons I would say would, would yeah. be things like I mean that we'll, we'll touch on the way you can pay for it and yeah but if someone's paying it monthly, it can work out to be like not expensive, but they will come on to the course in, in just a moment or two. Another near downside, but I mean, like lately during lockdown, funerals have been an awful lot different from what they've been before. So I mean, someone might have thought, right, I'm going to have a big funeral, a lot of people there. But lately, I mean, some funerals have had to be really small with hardly anyone there at all. Yeah. So, so things have looked a lot different like because of the lockdown. And then another disadvantage of funeral plans is that they're not currently regulated. So you don't have the same protection in, in place that you do. Like if someone's invested money, they've, they've usually got the, the, the protection of the financial services compensation scheme if the providers go bust. But again, we'll, we'll touch on that just in the next week while during this episode as well. Very rarely that I, well, I, I can't think of, uh, you know, an undertakers that has moved out of a location because they've gone bust, maybe because they've got bigger, uh, but I can't think of one literally going under. Maybe no, I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, they, they do, they, they've kind of got, I mean, they, 
I suppose one thing that's guaranteed is that people are going to die. So as long as people are being born, there's going to be ones exactly. at the end of life. And, <laughs> exactly. Uh, All right. So let's get on to costs and also the, the options for, for paying these things, Phil. So how much does it the, cost? Costs, I mean, they, well, like, like they are th- said, was it the average cost of a funeral they reckon was it just over £4,000? But yeah. the, the plans start off, I mean, like cooperative plans start off from as well £3,295 if it's paid as a, a lump sum. Right. Um, or they've got an option where somebody can pay monthly starting at £20.85. Golden Charter, I mean, that's for their simple plan. They, they've got the gold plan, which covers more. Um, it's more expensive. You're looking at 4200 for that or £26.57 a month. Golden Charters, they, their starts off at 2895 a month is their cheapest one. Um, or £13.59 a month, which sounds less, but then if you're age 50, paying that over, say, 30 years, that's going to add up to, to quite an amount. Yeah, over. yeah. Sort of I, I mean, do they apply interest to it in the same way that they would if you were, say, buying a car? Well, what you've got, I mean, when, when it comes to the options for paying, they, there's usually a few different options. First of all, you can pay it as a lump sum, so you say, right, the cost is 4200 or however much, you, you decide on what plan you want to go for. Yeah. And then you pay the lump sum and that's your funeral paid. Now, if if you live for 20 years and then die, regardless of what the cost is at that time, your funeral is bought and paid for. Now, they, like I mentioned earlier, you've got some of the third party costs. Some of the companies give you a contribution to that cost. So things like cremation fees, minister's fees, whereas the, the dignity plan is the, the only one that does cover all of that costs. But um, you, you've got, if you pay as a lump sum, you know that you've got your funeral bought and paid for. Yeah. Some, some companies allow you to do it over a year. Um, they, they'll maybe say, right, interest-free over a year. So if the cost was, just say, 4,400, that would work out at 200, uh, £400 a month for like the year. That, that's, so that, that's how they would work that one yeah. out. Um, so my maths isn't great. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, or, or the final option is that you can pay monthly. Now, quite often, if, if you pay monthly, if, if someone takes out a plan and dies shortly after, then theoretically, you could have had your funeral paid for, not costing very much. They, they usually tend to have a clause, though, that the plan's got to have been running for a year before it'll cover, pay everything out. If not, you normally te- if you die within the year, you normally get your monthly premiums refunded to you. Um, so that so if someone was like say terminally ill, they couldn't just say right, I'm going to take out a funeral plan, pay it for a couple of months and die, and then the whole lot's paid. So they, there's a bit of almost insurance for the the providers there in in that sense. But um, it, it kind of the, the way that they work. I mean, if if you pay it monthly, I mean that suits some people because they don't have a few thousand pounds to to pay out a lump sum all in one go. So um, the the monthly option is good for for some to consider. If someone's got the money, then they, they could look at just paying the, the whole lot up front. But there's quite a bit to, to kind of consider when looking at these plans. And that's why I thought it's a good topic to, to go on. And it follows on quite nicely from, from last week's topic as well. So it is, there's quite a lot to consider when you look at the funeral plans. Yeah, I mean, the, the, obvious, the obvious one for me, and you've, you've just sort of touched on it there, is it's, it's, it's like the... the <laughs> The um, you know, the, the ultimate question: What happens if I die midway through the plan of paying for my funeral? But you, you said there's a a level that they can reach, and then that's right. it's, Usually, it's, it's I know covered. 
Yeah, so for example, Golden Charter, once you've been paying it monthly for over a year, they, they'll have some sort of almost insurance in, in place so that they know the costs are, are covered. I mean, I don't know. On, on there, I mean, the, it'd be interesting to see what the average time someone has a plan and pays monthly before they actually died. But um, you'll get some folk that, that may gain from that. But I guess it gives them the peace of mind that if anything did happen to them, their family are not going to have expenses to, to fork out to, to pay for their funeral. Yeah, kind of does, isn't it? It's like, you know, live for a year and then and then you're okay at any point. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, there must be other ways that you can pay for a funeral, though, as opposed to, to paying it up. There must be some sort of insurances or, or plans that you can take out. Yeah, but you get, like, um, there's, well, someone could take out life insurance. The, the only thing with most life insurance policies is they tend to have an end date as to when the cover expires. You do get what's called whole of life plans, um, and they guarantee to pay out an amount on on death. So that that is something that someone can can consider there as well. I guess another thing is to to use savings. Um, you, you could save the money yourself. The, the only thing you don't know is when you die, how much a funeral is going to cost, and would that savings be enough? Whereas a funeral plan will guarantee to to cover the yeah. the costs of the the funeral there. So. There's yeah, definitely a few other different options that people can look at and consider as well. How do you go about taking out a plan then, Phil? A lot of the funeral directors will sell them. Um, I, I've, I've actually been, I remember being at a bowling event and it was sponsored by one. I can't remember which one it was, but um, they they actually had somebody going round the bowling that day, taking names and addresses. Setting, setting up, yeah. <laughs> um, it, and handing out free pens. I know, that's it, yeah. But... Uh, so the, you'll find that the, the funeral directors will tend to, to sell these plans. Um, some financial advisors will sell them. Probably, I mean, I, I know at my business, it's something that we, we do a few, but we, we see it as a like almost an add-on kind of service. So it is something that, that my advisors will, will speak to people about because it, it's, it's such an important kind of thing and but you, you'll tend to find some some financial advisors will kind of cover it some some won't because it's unregulated technically you, you mean you can go online and there are kind of companies where you can compare funeral plans online the the one thing that i would say is if, if you're looking to to do a bit of research yourself and maybe go online to, to compare funeral plans i i would look for plans that are company the the companies sign up to what's called the funeral planning authority why that's important is that the money is held in trust so one concern that people have is that right what if i take out one of these plans and the undertaker was to go bust for for any reason mm. but the the money is held separately so so it does mean that that money is held in a, a trust so even if your undertaker went bust the, the money is held kind of separately. Can um, you put down a deposit for a rented property these days, yeah? Yeah, that's right. The the, the money is held sort of separately, so it's not the actual undertaker that, that holds yeah. it. It's held by, by, by kind of trustees. The, the, the things to watch out for, I mean, if you are going online to do it, as I mentioned, you've got like that de facto ratings, which is really good. Some some of the other providers, there's a company called Ageco, You've got Legal and General do them. I think Legal and General actually do the Dignity Plan. I think that's the one that they do. Scott Mid Cooperative Funerals. There's quite a number of different companies, but it's really good. The de facto, I mean, it tells you all the companies that, that does them, and it also gives ratings for, for the individual plans as well. So, for example, Dignity's 
five, uh, they, their diamond plan has got a five-star de facto rating, whereas the, the Dignity, they, they've got one that's called Bamboo Plan. It's only got four stars, or a Peril Plan has, has only got four stars. Um, so it's good to try and use these sort of websites to just to, to give you a, a bit of insight into to like who's got the best ones, what they cover. I suppose it's looking at the plans, looking at the, not only the cost, but quite often you get what you pay for as well. So um, if you are going online, it's trying to think, right, what's included. I mean, in, in funeral plans, you'll tend to find things that are included as the, the provision of the professional services, making all the arrangements for the funeral, advice on the certification and registration of the death and certificate registration, uh, sorry, related documents, um, coffins will tend to be, be included. Sometimes some will cover things like pallbearers, the hearse. With, with some, you can choose your, your funeral at certain times. So there, there is there's an awful lot to, to, to kind of consider. And then things that often aren't included with funeral plans would maybe be embalming the body. A burial plot wouldn't be included there. Your headstone. Uh, maybe if you wanted like something after the service, maybe mm. a like a... And he's up somewhere yeah, yeah. And, and stuff like that. So um, there, there is, there's an awful lot to, to kind of look into. But the, the great thing with the internet nowadays is that you can go on and do comparisons on the, the funeral plans and look mm. and say, right, who has what? As I mentioned earlier, things like to, to look out for is like which undertakers are, are in your area. So there, there is, hopefully this, this podcast will just give people a bit of knowledge and guidance on the subject. Every week we talk about something and there's a point in the podcast where I think, I actually am going to have to come off this at the end of today and go and look this up because I'm starting to worry now. You're talking about diamond plans and bamboo plans. I'm thinking if I don't get this sorted, I'm going to be a wheelie bin plan. Right. Um, so far as we've, uh, we've covered topics, Phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing. I wonder if you've got an experience here, Phil, regarding funeral plans. One, one just recently, um, a friend of mine got in touch with me and he, he said it's my mum's at a point where she's probably close to going into a care home. Um, didn't have an awful lot of money, but um, he, he wanted to try and protect that money as much as he could. And one of the things I said to him, I said, look, has your mum made any plans for her, her funeral? And she hadn't. So we, we're looking at setting up a funeral plan for his mum um, at a cost of, say, around about £4,000 just for, for easiness. But the, the good thing with that is that that money comes out of her estate straight away. So when, when she goes into a care home, depending on whether you pay care home fees, depends on how much assets you have. Now, she, she doesn't have much, but the good thing is that £4,000 will come out of that estate straight away. So it probably will mean that she wouldn't have to make any contribution towards the care home costs. The, the other benefits are that her, she, she can choose the funeral that she, she wants. She's also got the peace of mind that that's paid for, that it's her done, kids yeah. are not going to have to, to bear the, the cost of it. So and that was just one, just a, a couple of weeks ago, which, was, which came up. So that, that's the thing I enjoy about my job is helping people. And I mean, it, it's not a lot of money, but it just gives them a wee bit of peace of mind. And it's one more thing that's sorted yeah. out for, for when she does pass away as well. 
I always remember my granny talking to my mum and dad about it, and and you know, sort of smiling from ear to ear that she'd she'd taken care of it before she'd she'd passed herself, and and now it's my mother telling me, you know, it, it's all paid for, you know, and it does. It just gives you that peace of mind. Well, to this bit as well, Phil, you find inspiration um, through various people that you admire. I know that, and you do love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on funeral planning? Not sure where the quote came from, but um, this week's quote. When someone you love becomes a memory, the memory becomes a treasure. Which I, I thought was probably quite apt, given that Aww. we're about death and funerals. And, um, so you're, so a, you're a big softy, Phil. You're a big softy. Right, to summarise on, on, on this episode, what's our, what's our takeaway? Because we did speak at quite a length there on, on funeral planning. What's the yeah, takeaway? The, the main thing is just to, to consider your funeral. I mean, nobody likes thinking about death. I, I, I know... I guess as you get older, you, you probably think about it a bit more. But um, I, I say it's good just to consider the options, what you want for your funeral, and also how, how it's going to get paid for as well, whether that's yourself or, or how you're, you're doing it. So, But, yeah, I, I would say that's the, the main thing to, to kind of consider. Start Just even start thinking about what you want. Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Uh, Let's get on to this week's questions. I'll give you the contact details in just a second. Uh, Our first question today comes from Lindsay in a Boyne who asks, Hi, Phil, I see and hear ads for this all the time, but is there any point in investing in gold if you have the funds to do so? Gold's a... (laughs) Yeah, funny one, but what you often find is everyone thinks gold's a safe haven, but really it's actually quite a volatile thing. Really? The price of it can, can fluctuate significantly. I think this year it's gone up, when I looked earlier, it's gone up about 20% so far this year, but it can fall quite dramatically as well. But what you tend to find, you've got a physical asset. So I guess that that's one thing that's good is you have something that, is, is physical, but the, the downside is that, I mean, it, th- this year, for example, people have been nervous about the, the pandemic, so they've thought, oh, where's a safe place to have my money? So the, the demand for gold has probably gone up, hence the, the price has gone up, but you, you tend to find I mean, that can reverse just as quick, and often people want to get into that at the wrong time. So, I mean, the, the best time to go into something is when the price is, is low. So human nature might think, oh, I want to, to go into that. It sounds safe, but really I, I wouldn't say gold is a, a safe haven because the price is so volatile. So unless you are prepared to take the risks, that's one that I would tend to be like, nah, it's the, it, it can be real volatile. Yeah, it didn't work out so well for Goldfinger either. Um, <laughs> next up is Gordon in Bathgate. You know, every time someone says Bathgate to me in my head, I hear the Bacleros singing, Bathgate no more. It's an age thing, I think. I'm the same with Loch Aber. Anyway, uh, Gordon in Bathgate wants to set up some form of providing his grandchildren with money. And given the pandemic, he feels like now he'd like to give slightly more than first intended so they have a greater pot to dip into when they're older. He is aware, though, there might be some tax implications if he pays them a greater sum and he wants to know what's the best format to set up that payment, how, how best to sort of steer around that and get the, the most out of his money. Things you've got to watch out for are the, the amounts that you're giving away um, and also your own kind of personal circumstances. So, if someone was gifted money, the, the things that I would be looking out for is, is there any, if someone has an inheritance tax 
liability? Would, would there be any consequences there? I, I'd be looking at thinking, right, what sort of health is he in if that was the case? It may be if, if he didn't have a, an inheritance tax liability and wasn't over the threshold, then that's not a concern. But other things that I would consider as well is, like I, I mentioned earlier about care home costs. If, if Sometimes people think, right, I'll just give my money away and I want to need to pay the, the care home fees. But doing that can be seen as what's called deliberate deprivation. So, so things like that are the, the type of things that I would kind of be looking into and looking out for. But with, with that one, there is really quite a, a lot to consider there. But for, for many people that can give money away, there'd be no consequences or no tax implications. But for others, there, there could be. So it's, it's definitely worth looking into the individual circumstances more. Okay, just just for, for sake of argument, you mentioned inheritance tax liability there. There's there's obviously a number, and I don't remember what it is. What, what's what's that number off the top of your head? You, you've got a gift allowance. It um, says three thousand pounds a year. Right. You, you can give away. I think it's up to two hundred and fifty pounds as many people as you like. Okay. Uh, the, theoretically, you can give away more. I mean, if you've no inheritance tax liability, you, you can give away more. And likewise. Even if you do have an inheritance tax liability, you can give money away. But as long as you live seven years, then there's no inheritance tax to to pay on that. Okay, and you mentioned deliberate deprivation there as well, um, where you know it could be viewed that you were you're giving money away almost so that you you didn't have to pay for the um, inevitability of a care home if that's sprung up in your future. What? Are the sort of punishments if it's found that you? I mean, do you know anyone that's been found? Is that a common no, thing? I mean, that, that's one thing. It's difficult. I mean, it, I guess in the future, councils are going to want to try and get like more money. I mean, I I don't know anyone that's been been sort of done for for that. But I, I know of people who have said to me, "It's oh look, I want to do this to, to get the money away." The one thing that that you can do to to kind of avoid care costs as well. Um, you, you can put money in a, an investment bond that's got a small amount of life assurance attached to it. And that's actually classed as a, although it's an investment, it's actually classed as a, a life assurance policy. Right. And they're disregarded when, when the council's assessing somebody's capital for care home costs. And again, I mean, if someone was seen to be doing that deliberately, the council could challenge it. But it, it's hard to prove for them, I guess, because... I, I would be saying, well, no, we're, we're do that was set up for this reasons or that reasons. I guess the earlier somebody plans for things like that, the better, yeah. and then the more difficult yeah. it would be for the council to to challenge it. And in my experience, not that I'm advising you to do this, but in, in my experience um, in dealing with councils, that they're more often putting out fires and, and sort of trying to catch up on a six to seven week yeah. backlog with whatever they're dealing with rather than looking at what you're doing. But um, before you get in touch with a question, there is a chance we may have covered it in depth in a previous episode. I know uh, certainly we've covered the aspect of setting up things like trust funds and the like. Uh, I don't think we've covered gold yet, but you never know. Maybe we'll do one soon on alternative types of investment like wine or cars anyway a real vault of knowledge to be explored in our back catalogue full details for where you can find that in just a second i'm john ellis thank you for joining us today for personal finance with phil anderson if you feel you need a helping hand with anything that we've been talking about or anything else of a monetary matter find phil 
for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show. Search uh, Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil is on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or you can just email Phil a question that he can answer on a future episode. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil, as I say, could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. Please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Uh, And remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend the show and please subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links uh, that you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time, and thanks for listening. Thanks, John.